do before we go into National Public Radio News is put some socialists on the city councils. That's where parties start. <laughs> Man, listen, dude. Listen, and we're going to go in the, in the NPR in a little bit, but we got, we, we have, um, we have, uh, when we come back, we're going to hear about uh, Mariela Franco, right? And that's going to be, that's very important. And that's um, in, in recognition of uh, National Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, Mariela Franco, for those people who don't know, um, you're going to hear about she was a, a black politician, Afro-Brazilian politician um, that was assassinated. But we're going to we're going to hear about her uh, when we come back from NPR. We're also going to hear from our guest, Jeanette Bradley, artist and activist, Jeanette Bradley. Uh, and we're going to hear from uh, Brother Life Malcolm, uh, because we have a very, very important uh, thing that, that we need to be observing relevant to uh, uh, poetry here in the Tampa Bay area. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. A strong earthquake struck southeastern Taiwan today. Local authorities say the quake had a magnitude of at least 6.8. NPR's John Ruich reports. The quake hit a relatively sparsely populated part of the island. Early reports say it caused some damage to buildings and infrastructure. Taiwan media showed pictures of a bridge that was damaged as well as a convenience store that had collapsed and derailed train carriages. The earthquake came just a day after a similarly measured quake hit the same region along with several aftershocks. Taiwan media said the island's nuclear power plants were operating normally, and Reuters reports that science parks in southern Taiwan, where major semiconductor factories operate, say there has been no impact on operations. John Ruich, NPR News, Shanghai. A convenience store was on the ground floor of a three-story building that collapsed. Local media report the owner of the building and his wife, along with two others, were rescued from the rubble. Meanwhile, rescuers are reported to be working to clear a mountain road blocked by a landslide. Hundreds of tourists are said to be stranded. In Britain, final preparations are underway for Queen Elizabeth's state funeral tomorrow. Vicki Parker is in London. More than 500 world leaders and foreign dignitaries have begun converging on Britain. They'll be among the 2,000 people attending the funeral service in Westminster Abbey. Huge screens are being erected along the funeral procession route and in public parks across Britain. At more than 100 cinemas will live stream this, Britain's biggest state funeral since Winston in Churchill's in 1965. 4,000 military personnel will take part in the procession, including 200 pipers and drummers. 98 Royal Navy sailors will pull the gun carriage bearing the Queen's coffin for two miles through London until it is transferred to the Royal Hearse for burial at Windsor Castle. For NPR News, I'm Vicki Barker in London. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden arrived in London last night and are to join world leaders at an official reception at Buckingham Palace today. They're also to view the Queen lying in state at Westminster Hall. Today is the last full day that Queen Elizabeth's coffin will lie in state. The line has not yet been closed, but the wait is many hours long. The British government is now asking people not to join it to avoid disappointment. Protesters gathered outside Azerbaijan's consulate in Los Angeles this weekend. The protest follows last week's deadly clashes between Azerbaijan and Armenia. The fighting follows a war two years ago linked to the dispute over the enclave of Nagorno-Karabakh. This latest fighting left some 200 people dead on both sides. The protest comes as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is blaming Azerbaijan for the attacks, calling them illegal. She's at the head of a congressional delegation visiting Armenia this weekend. And you're listening to NPR News. United Nations nuclear watchdog says Ukraine's Apritsa nuclear power plant is back on Ukraine's power grid. One of the main power lines has been repaired. External power is needed to keep the six reactors cool and safe. Tropical storm Fiona could strengthen into a hurricane today. It's bringing heavy rain to Puerto Rico and forecasters are warning of life-threatening floods and mudslides. In Alaska, communities along the western coast are reporting widespread damage from a historic storm. And in Japan, a powerful typhoon made landfall today on Kyushu, the southernmost island. The federal abortion restrictions proposed by South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham in an unexpected announcement last week would still allow stricter state bans to be enforced. Blake Farmer of member station WPLN in Nashville reports the 15-week restriction contained in Graham's proposal would just be the starting point. 
Senator Graham's legislation would not interfere with stricter abortion bans like here in Tennessee, where there's an all-out ban, no exceptions for rape and incest. But a federal law would further limit abortion access for anyone in a state with a ban, because right now, residents needing to end a pregnancy often have to travel to places where abortions are still allowed beyond 15 weeks. The window to travel would get much smaller. The measure is unlikely to be taken up unless the majorities flip in Congress, and several Republican lawmakers, even from states with strict abortion bans, have withheld their support, saying abortion should be left up to the states. For NPR News, I'm Blake Farmer in Nashville. And I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News from Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Melville Charitable Trust, committed to ensuring all people have a safe, stable, and affordable home that allows them to thrive. Information about ways to prevent and solve homelessness is at melvilletrust.org. I'm afraid of Where we play all Caribbean music from the classics to the latest. Every Sunday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. here on WMNF 88.5, online at WMNF.org or through the WMNF mobile app. This is DJ Spaceship, reminding you every Saturday from 10 to midnight, tune in to the newest episode of Ways of the Bay with myself and Tone Capone, where we play the latest in hip-hop, R&B, and homegrown talent as well. Missed an episode? Want to hear it again? Go to the website, WMNF.org, and hey, don't forget about that tip jar. On Thursday, October 27th, WMNF celebrates Halloween with two great bands. WMNF's Halloween Ball 2022 features the music of Tampa's Lane Liar. And making his Bay Area appearance from Louisville, Kentucky, Scary Black. Plus, as he bets, and Vamp Daddy of Obscure Undead will be DJing this great night of gothic music. WMNF Halloween Bowl again takes place Thursday, October 27th, 9 p.m. at New World Music Hall, 810 East Skagway Avenue in Tampa. Tickets are $18 in advance, $20 at the door. Go to WMNF.org for more info. Hey, what's going down, family? It's your resident chef, Big Eddie G, inviting you to the Soul Kitchen. Me and my assistant chef, Mr. White Pepper Dave and Bryant, serve up the best of R&B and soul music with a pinch of hip-hop and jazz and a dash of fun. So stop by Friday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Bring your appetite, because the kitchen will show enough fill you up right. Here, only on 88.5 WMNF. I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! 9 a.m. weekday mornings right here at 88.5 FM. You'll hear the same fearless investigative reporting on topics too hot for the mainstream media. Tune in to Democracy Now! 9 a.m. weekdays right after the morning show. That's right here on WMNF, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota, Lakeland, Clearwater, Winter Haven, and Venice. Hi, I'm Sean, and I hope you tune in to my interview show called Tuesday Cafe every Tuesday morning at 10 on 88.5 WMNF. I interview environmentalists, politicians, social justice activists, academics, and other experts about topics that impact you right here in the Tampa Bay area. I focus on issues that are important locally and across the whole state of Florida. The show is called Tuesday Cafe with Sean Canan. It's every Tuesday morning at 10 on 88.5 FM, WMNF Tampa, and on WMNF.org. This is DJ Spaceship, reminding you every Saturday from 10 to midnight, tune in to the newest episode of Ways of the Bay with myself and Tone Capone, where we play the latest in hip-hop, R&B, and homegrown talent as well. Missed an episode? Want to hear it again? Go to the website, WMNF.org, and hey, don't forget about that tip, y'all. 
That's right. You can tip us too here at the Sunday Forum. Right now, you are tuned to the Sunday Forum here on your community radio station, WMNF. My name is Patrick Mobili. I'm sitting here with Walter L. Smith II, and we have some great guests this morning. We got great guests coming up and taking your telephone calls, 813-239-9663. Or you can write us, dj at wmnf.org. Are we back? We're back. We are back right here on WMNF 88.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. My Ben. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Dude. What's that? That was a great first half this morning. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Are you, are you, do you feel better, my Ben? I feel a lot better. I feel back in the game. There you go, brother. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, hey, man. Listen. Today, guess what I am doing? Mm. I am going to go see the woman king. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to go see you. That looks like a compelling story. Compelling? Yeah. More than compelling. Yeah. This story, the the whole thing is like, it's like, okay, you remember how people felt about, about Wakanda, right? That's right. And Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Only this, that, that's, that, that was sci-fi. Right. right? That was sci-fi. That was comic books. That was fiction. But check this out. This right here actually happened. Yeah. This is based on a true story, what actually happened in Dahomey. Right? Mm-hmm. Check this out. I have ancestry in Dahomey. Oh, really? Who knew? Or down, man. How about it? <laughs> yeah. Right? I I am I am so proud. <laughs> right? Yeah. So check it out. We're going to go see it. Um, because it is my son-in-law's birthday and it is my is Juju Juju is my grandson mm-hmm. it's his birthday coming up shout out to Juju shout out to DJ and shout out to my granddaughter whose birthday is on the 14th of November mm-hmm. now they are what we call Irish <laughs> twins right okay so <laughs> my daughter had them back to back yeah okay <laughs> she got she got out the way so so um, we are we're going to be celebrating this, but nevertheless, this is a great way to celebrate. Let yeah. me tell you, folks, if you are not doing anything today, let me tell you, go, go see this, because this is going to have the impact, the same type of impact that Black Panther had on our society and on our community. This is going to bring such a tremendous sense of pride to our community. Especially, especially to women. Yeah, almost all women cast with Viola Davis leading. What? Only John Boyega from Star Wars fan is the only man that I know. Yeah. What? Sounds good. That's a star-studded cast. That is a very star-studded cast with some new stars coming out. And let me point out one other thing. Let me point out one other thing. Now, look, dude. Now, that that all things being fit. This is a, this is the criticism, yet it's not a criticism, right? I love John Boyega, great actor and everything like that. But why we always gotta go to the British? <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all, yeah. man. But literally, literally like it's Superman, how how Superman gonna be British, dude? <laughs> why not? <laughs> Batman was British, Spider-Man. right? Christian Bale, <laughs> Spider Man is British. Come on, man. And, and there's two of the Spider-Man, right? Two, um, uh, maybe. I think yeah, Garfield. Yeah, yeah. Garfield is also Andrew Garfield. Both of them are <laughs> British, man. Come on, dude. They like their accent, man. <laughs> but even though they have to get rid of it, don't they? Yeah, got, yeah they got to get rid of it in order to. In order to be <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I like having fun with that one, man. When I see when my friends who are British, I'm like, man, how come y'all always get the good? The good roles, man. <laughs> you can't have an American play like Julius Caesar or something like that, man. Why has always got to be some British dude? No, it, it, this is uh, this is excellent. This is uh, a mm. great uh, film. Uh, all-star black star-studded cast is what I really, really love about it, right? And it deals with, obviously, the issue of internal struggles with the homie, but it also deals with the external struggles with the issue of colonization, mm-hmm. right? And we cannot talk about that 
without having that part of the of the discourse. We cannot do it. We cannot do it. Um, so on another show, we're going to actually have that discussion uh, about these these little um, nuances of our movies that we're seeing now. But today, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be talking about the arts. And we are going to be talking about, uh, we just got finished talking about some colonization issues, and we are going to touch on, on some more of that as we do it through the arts, right? But before we do that, we're going to hear again from Miss Laura Rodriguez. Hello again. Hey, Laura. All right, I'm going to be talking, like you said earlier, about Mariel Franco. Yes, and this is in honor of uh, National Hispanic Heritage Month, folks. Mm-hmm. Which allegedly goes more than a month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, you know, I was talking about that last week. I'm like, man, listen, dude, come on. It goes more than a month. Don't even try that. Oh, well, man, that thing goes to December, dude. <laughs> I'm just seeing. I, I see the banquets and everything. I see the banquets and everything, man, going all the way to December and the award ceremonies and stuff like that. From like, was it August? <laughs> To December. Like that. Y'all cheating, man. Y'all cheating. We can't even have, man. <laughs> but, Go ahead, but yeah, Ms. Franco was born Mariel Francisco da Silva um, in 1979 in Rio de Janeiro. Um, she was raised in a complex of 16 slums called Mare, and at 19, she gave birth to her daughter. She then earned a scholarship to attend a university in Rio where she graduated with her bachelor's degree in social sciences, then went on to graduate with a master's in public administration in 2012. Um, Her thesis for her master's was titled UPP, The Decline of the Favela in Three Letters, translated to English and examined the role of pacifying police units, which which is a law enforcement tool in Brazil attempting to retake control of the city's favelas from gangs and drugs, allegedly. Um, in 2005, Franco joined Marcelo Frixio, a state representative for the Socialist Party, as his con- congressional consultant. During those years, she helped create the Committee for Defense of Human Rights and Citizenships. In 2016, she was, voted, she was elected uh, to the Rio City Council with 46,000 votes, becoming the sole black female representative. She was an educated, articulate, and capable young woman from a favela, a far cry from the money-eyed, middle-aged, white male politicians Brazilians are so accustomed to in a country where more than half of the population is black or mixed race. Franco fought for the rights of women, single mothers like herself, the LGBTQ plus community, and the favela residents. She denounced the violence inflicted by Rio's police on the community as they fight and occasionally collude with the drug gangs and other force active on the streets. The unofficial militias whose members include serving and uh, include serving former police offices. Maria Franco uh, was a council member for the city and a member of the Party for Socialism and Liberty. She was also a member of the LGBT community and a human rights activist, especially against police brutality. On March 14th, 2018, she was shot four times in the head and killed. Mm. That night, she attended the political event Young Black Women Moving Structures, and she had recently filed a formal formal complaint against the police for suspected murders. And a month prior, Brazil's president had ordered the military to occupy the city in a security attempt, but she opposed the intervention publicly and had just been appointed to the monitor to monitor the militarization of the police. It was later discovered that the bullets fired at her were a part of a law originally sold to the federal police, reported reportedly still stolen, and some others used in the killing killings. Franco's death at 38, or honestly rather an assassination, sent shockwaves across the world and is forcing Brazilians to ask searching questions about their country's inherent racism, violence, and cultural of impunity. Brazil's prosecutor general, Raquel Dodge, called it an attack on democracy. She has also had many songs written in her honor for her. Franco fought for the rights of women, um, oops, said that before. Um, Brazil lost a capable political le- leader that 
that day, and demonstrations were held across the globe, and approximately 100,000 people protested on March 15th in Rio in Franco's memory. Amnesty International and the UN of Brazil were among the organizations demanding a serious investigation into the drive-by shooting. Her final words on Twitter, posted on March 13th, addressed the issue of police violence in Brazil, an issue she had battled against most of her life. She prophetically and poignantly asked how many others will die for this war to end. That is a very, very, that, that that is both empowering and is also very sad. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a, a young lady that I always believed. I always believed. I watched her very closely. Um, I always believed that she had the ability to become president of Brazil one day, had she lived. Uh, the the fact that she was shot down like a dog, mm-hmm. assassinated in the street, in the manner that she was, any, any type of assassination Bad, you know, like that is bad, but you know, someone like that um, was so devastating. I'm I'm an American, right? I'm 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 a you know I'm I'm here in America, right? Most people who live here in America, America didn't even know who she was, had no idea who she was, That's and true. most black people had no idea that, that she even true. existed. Um, I knew because of my because of my studies, you know, about that issue. Um, and, and about black people in Latin America, but you know, we've got to tell our our, our girls about her. Mm-hmm. I agree. Right? They need to know about her, who she was, what she meant, and and I think it would change when we find out more about people like her. Um, when we watch movies like um, the Woman King, and when we watch movies like the Book of Negroes, right? Watch these movies, folks. Watch these movies. Sit with your daughters, black and white. Sit with your daughters and 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 watch these movies and really get a sense. Don't politicize it. Don't politicize it. Just watch the movie, right? And discuss with them what you just saw. Watch Roots. Watch Roots. Did white people watch Roots? White people. Black people watch Roots. I guarantee you that when you take your children and you sit with them and watch those movies, those, those are, and Roots in particular, Roots is a staple of the black community ever since it was made in the 70s. It was a staple. It was a requirement. It used to be a requirement in our families to watch Roots. You didn't, what? When by the time you were 10 years old, you will, you will have seen Roots from the time it was made. I had a, I had a very fortunate, uh, the, 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 I had the fortune to have had a, uh, to have met Alex Haley on more than one occasion. Um, he came to our home in Tallahassee, um, and it was, I was starstruck, obviously, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. but you're talking about a man who, who established the concept and made the way for genealogical studies for black people and not just black people, but even for white people. Yeah, I just have to comment. Jeanette Bradley. Jeanette Jeanette Bradley, folks. Um, Yeah, yeah, he was one of the first to begin changing the narrative. Right. Right. There was a story out there by the Confederate daughters, what have you, but he began the first major changing of the narrative of the story. Mm. And while that was really hard for a lot of us in the 70s to sit sit through and watch, because of the fear of people are going to get really angry, people are going to be in the streets, what have you. It was one of the most important moments in, I think, my history, it's, as far as of, of understanding who we are and where we came from and the struggles. Mm. And it's not just a black people thing, it's also a white people thing. It is. 
everybody has to watch it. And there's so much more out there right now that um, you you don't have to be in the classroom because they're barring, you know, CRT, banning and what have you. You can watch the movies, as you say, as you say, but the Internet has a lot of information yeah. that can help you teach your children what they need to know going forward. Absolutely. And we look up all that silly stuff on, on you know, on, on the phone and on laptop and stuff like that. We, we, we look, I mean, hey, I'm guilty of it. <laughs> I, I watch that crazy stuff, too. But, you know, but I also research. And I also, right. I also had my family sit and watch together groups when my kids were younger. Now that they're older, we're going to watch it again. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, Roots on television is a sanitized story, actually. I think we should read the book, Alex yes, Haley's yes. book, which told an even more searing story. It was a more indicting story. Yeah. yeah because well, they had to sanitize it for audience for tv yeah yeah it's a very it it is it's very very um impactful is that your library is that your father's library it is i have i have several copies of it and the autographed copy is there as well okay Uh, same thing with 12 years a slave that 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 equally compelling i don't know if you've seen that but i wish that roots was the devil sanders would probably um Ban that from high school if we said, "Hey, you have yeah. roots." Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Schools, I know. wouldn't be surprised either if it's not banned. I mean, it's, it should be. It's a huge. Charlotte's group, Web is banned. Oh, see. come on, it's man! It's kind of like, right. um, come on. yeah. For, for a little bit of hope, there is. Uh, I have seen pictures of bell hooks in public schools. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's hope. <laughs> there is hope. <laughs> I, I, I have a story about bell hooks. By the way, okay. I actually saved her life. Oh, you did. I Superman. Did. I, I was. I was. I was a <laughs> Superman. Right. I was. I was at a. I was in New York. Um, going. I used to when I was in undergrad. I used to go to the Village Vanguard once a year, and uh, I was at a at a corner place there having lunch, and she and Willem Dafoe were actually walking. Uh, exactly, Willem Dafoe, <laughs> right? Were actually walking across the street, and this gray Dotson had turned the corner, and I yelled out. Look out, you know, and they stopped because they were about they were just talking and ah, and I said, look out, you know, great car coming. And they they had no idea until he grabbed her and pushed her back, and and she and she came across. She says, thank you so much, and I'm looking at her like, <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> you didn't matter what I said. Oh, yeah. you know, it's Bell Hooks, and oh, yeah, it's Willem Dafoe, you know, so. I'm kind of starstruck at this point, and I'm trying to act like I got some common sense. But I was looking like, I, yeah. like I've been somewhere, you know, and seen people. But that was Bill Hooks and Willem Dafoe, right? And she said, well, thank you so much. You saved my life. And I was like, well, thank you, Bill Hooks. <laughs> yeah. If I had been walking and talking to Bill Hooks, I probably would have got hit by a car, too. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. So uh, that, was a, that was a very special day for me. Uh, we, does that, did you just play the applause on it? No, I didn't. Okay, okay. All right. But I did hear something. I heard, heard the applause. <laughs> uh, okay, so what we're going to do, folks, is we are going, first of all, we're going to thank Laura Rodriguez for coming in and reading this uh, uh, great bio of Mariela Franco. And uh, thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. For your correspondence with us again. It. And uh, we're glad to have you as a member of the Fourth Estate Crew. <laughs> thank you, thank appreciate you. Appreciate you, appreciate all you. All right, have a good day, All right, all right. Hey, listen, folks, we have um, uh, in studio with us Jeanette Bradley, artist uh, and community advocate. Jeanette Bradley uh, in studio with us. But I think on the line right now, uh, let's check and see, is, is that what we have online, Billy? Uh, we should have Brother Life Malcolm on the line. Who do we have? Go ahead, call her. Yeah, yeah, brother African, what's up, man? Y'all good, Uru, man. Uh, man. I'm all right, brother. I'm all right. I'm glad to have you on the air, man. Life. I'm glad to be here, brother. Thank you. Life. 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 Brother, we got 25 years. Is it 25 years? No, no, not quite. It's coming though. 21 years of black and black. 21. Yeah. 21 years. Which is which is extraordinary. It is. Um, it is. Yeah, yeah. And legendary, brother. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. You know, um, 
20, 21 years of uh, Black on Black Rhymes is significant in a whole lot of ways. Uh, you know, uh, the, the story begins with the idea that we were supposed to start the the show on September 11th, 2001. But, you know, you know what happened, uh, you know, the United States government made something happen and knocked some buildings down. And so we had to start a, a year later. Uh, I, mean, I mean, a week later. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we started on September 18th, 2001. And we started at, uh, I think, it, so it's always in my mind confusing. It was either Lord's on top or Leonard's on top because the names changed right around the same time. But it was what used to be known as uh, the Blue Ship, which was owned by Linda Wilcox, uh, one of the only African people who uh, owned a club in Ebor City. Well, actually, no, the only African person who owned a club in Ebor City at the time. As a matter of fact, the reason why Ebor City uh, is what it is now is because of Linda Wilcox. White people saw what Linda Wilcox was able to do with the blue ship, and they tried to buy her out almost every year. But, um, you know, they, they shut down all their Cuban sandwiches because then nobody, you know, we stopped eating the pork or whatever. And then, you know, uh, the, the Cuban cigar factories closed up and stuff. And then they turned all those empty places into a replica of what Linda Wilcox did at the Blue Ship. And um, that's where Black on Black Rhyme got its start. And, you know, uh, since then, like kind of like Linda Wilcox, there's been a lot of copycats, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of replicas of uh, Black on Black Rhyme since then, but um, yeah, uh, Black on Black Rhyme still stands alone as the longest running spoken word uh, 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 organization and, and, and show in the Tampa Bay area. But I just want to say that in the way of sort of like an overview. I'm sure you're going to allow me to say more, but I just want to say that I don't want to, you know, I, I, I want you to lead the way, so I'll be quiet. No, no, sorry, brother. Hey, listen, no, 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 no. Listen, let me, let me just say, first of all, I'm very proud of the fact of, of, the, of that history. I'm very proud of that history. And Tampa Bay should be very proud of that history. And it should be it should be recognized and needs to, and you ought to be commended along with those other founders of Black on Black Rhyme. I think that uh, and, and we certainly are very proud to be uh to have the opportunity to speak with you this morning about it and and to announce even whenever you are having an event to make certain that people are coming out to it. We want to encourage folks to actually be a part of this legendary, legendary um, uh, uh, cast of people that put this together. Uh, and the only way you can do that is by going to a Black on Black Rhyme event. You got to do it. You got to do it. It's, it's a must. How do, I find one of, how do I find an event? This brother right here. Well, life is going. Life is going to tell us everything. How do we find it, like? So let me let me say a couple of things, if, if if that's all right, brother, in response to what you just said, and I appreciate those things. Speaking about the founders, um, you know, my, we have to give credit to Wally B. Wally B. Um, uh, also known as Walter Jennings, along with myself, Charmaine, um, JB. Uh, we 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 started Black on Black Rhyme together, but. It was Wally B's um, idea. Wally B was in Black on Black Rhyme actually started in Tallahassee, um, uh, founded by a brother named Keith Keyboy Rogers uh, in Tallahassee. His, I think I think he might be on twenty five years, but um, his anniversary is this month as well. But we, you know, uh, it was Wally B who went to Sam and brought the Black on Black Rhyme idea he experienced at, at Sam to Tampa and. Uh, and, uh, and invited JB and myself to join him in doing it, and you know I was able to to, to push it to new heights and new levels. And there's still a Black on Black Rhyme uh, event going on, it's run now by a guy named Philip Scott. And so you can to answer the question about how you find out about Black on Black Rhyme Tampa event, you can you know go to Facebook as they you know, we go to Facebook for everything, right? So you can do that. You could Google. Hell, you could call me. I can call Phil. Um, but you, 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 there's no reason why you can't find out about a black black round camp event. It's um, it's I think um, you know, it's social media connected enough to social media that you can find it. 
but yeah, um, it, it, so, but I, I want to make it clear that I, I don't run Black on Black Rhyme anymore, but I do something else now these days called Soul on Mic. Uh, Black on Black Rhyme is an open mic experience, but what I do now is uh, procure uh, top tier talent and put the most um, incredible artists on stage. And um, I, I call that Soul on Mic. And uh, fortunately, I have the, uh, you know, still have the relationship with JB who, uh, you know, founded Black on Black Rhyme along with Wiley D and myself and others I mentioned a bit ago. And we, um, we're doing this thing called Solo Mike JB and I, and it's, it's an incredible experience. It's, it's the most exquisite entertainment if you're going to find, if you're looking for, you know, the, the kind of spoken word thing. And I don't know how much time I have left, but I do, if you don't mind, just kind of want to, you know, like leave, um, your listening audience with the poem is very short, but you let me know if I can, or, you know, it's not, you know. No, please, please, by all means. And let, let me just say, uh, you have an event that's coming up on October 20th, correct? October 20th, yes. Yeah, uh, yep. Thursday, I, I, October 20th at 8.01 p.m. at the Improv Comedy Theater. The Tampa Improv, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It's 1600 East 8th Avenue. Man, I got my man, Abyss Graham. So if, if anybody's ever heard of Most Deaf, uh, the, the artist Most Deaf, um, you know, he... Uh, you know, this is like the most death of the South. He's, he, you know, uh, singing, rapping, spoken word, instrumentalist, all that. And my man Moses West is uh, a, a battle rap and spoken word god. And my man Dichotomy is a spoken word, international spoken word legend. And Ryan Robinson is a comedian who's uh, you know, put smiles on, put smiles on faces and, and probably even broken a few faces, you know, with, you know, this laughing part <laughs> in Tampa Bay for a very long time. And we have a few, uh, you know, few special guests as well. A man, uh, DJ P Funk is DJing. So it's, it's, it's going to be a, a crazy event. Oh, and I want to say, uh, you know, I have amazing sponsors this time around, um, you know, uh, like, you know, transportation control services, FBI, Emerge Medical, like, like, like people really support this event because it's really such a kind of thing. And Tampa, um, when I started doing spoken word in Tampa, my, uh, uh, my objective was to make spoken words significant in Tampa Bay. I wanted, I wanted people to think of, when they thought of Tampa, I wanted people to think of, uh, maybe Bush Gardens and then poetry, and we, we I, I think we, we're getting close. All right, all right. All right you ready for the poem? Yes, ready for the poem, brother. Right, Electrify right, us. All right, I don't know about all that, but I'm just. <laughs> all right, so I grew up poor. The only degrees between my mother and father were the ones on their. Let me start over. I grew up poor. The only degrees between my mother and father were the ones on their thermometer. Now I got four. I promise you, it wasn't easy, but I took the heat that came with the kitchen without. Walked across college stages with honorable mention just months after my son's killing. Kept my head on straight while getting life's headstone straight. Hadn't even begun healing. Had to numb feelings that made me want to do dumb stuff to the dumb in words who did it, so I get it. Sometimes your circumstances rip you apart, but when they do, you don't get to give up. You've got to get up. Our ancestors had it hard all the time. Fought back against hardship, even though the law calls our resistance crime. You gotta do the same. You gotta fight back. When you don't, it's a crime. More than that, it's a shame. So don't be mad at me because I don't listen when you complain about your temporary story weather or when I only listen because I'm on a mission to tell you that you need to get your ish together and do better. How shoe leather tougher than you? If, if you don't like what I'm saying, it's probably because it's nothing but truth. I didn't invite you here to be messing with you. I invited you here to offer you views on life that might improve your life. Presented in the most incredible spoken word experience I call so on mics. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Quick, you know, edit, you know, we use like words that we can't use on it. So I had to. Right, right. No, we, man, that was, we got man, it. We got what well, we got. <laughs> we we got definitely got it, bro. We got that, man. That was that was outstanding, brother. That was outstanding, folks. Listen, brother, life, Malcolm. Thank you, man, for joining us this morning and talking about um, uh, solo mics. And, and and for the record, 
Um, when we discussed this before, we recognized that So Long Mike is a play on the book by Eldridge Cleaver, uh, So Long Ice. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. Exactly, I remember when yeah. we spoke about this here on the show before. And, uh, you know, so guys, listen, So On Mics, you got to go check it out. Um, Thursday, October 20th, Thursday, October 20th, 8.01 p.m. at the Improv Comedy Theater. Tickets start, well, call, check on tickets, all right? Call, check on tickets, because we can't tell you how much they are right here. But call, check on tickets, or go to Facebook. Uh, you can also check out UNation, UNation.com. Um, and go check that out as well. That way you'll find out what, what the ticket prices are. And you can go and uh, uh, go and check out this outstanding, outstanding performances that you're going to see right here at the Tampa Improv here in Tampa Bay, Florida. Listen, uh, Brother Life Malcolm. One more thing before I jump off. I just got to say this. My daughter is you know, probably going to do something to me if I don't. Uh, my, my, my oldest youngest daughter going to be uh, 15 tomorrow, so happy birthday. Hey. And in the, in the vein of this spoken word thing, man, one of the spoken word giants from Florida, Will the Real One Bell, his birthday is tomorrow as well. You know, uh, a lot of people may know that uh, bandits gunned him down in 2011, so Will's no longer with us, but man, you told he Will was the first spoken word artist from uh, the South. That was on HBO just HBO just poetry, and so he's an icon and, and spoke in the spoken word world. And um, Will's birthday is tomorrow, so shout out to Will the Will One Bell, and shout out to my baby Jay uh, Nibby, so busy Miles Coleman and all that stuff. And yeah, I mean all, all that's po- all that's poetry in motion, uh, if you will. So thank you, but I think you know I really appreciate you allowing me to say it's important stuff. And people who will listen to this archive will will one day, if not today, appreciate what's going on. Will one day appreciate you, you know you making this happen. Thank you so much, brother. Hey man, no doubt, brother, no doubt. Hey man, thank you, brother. Tell Sister Faith I say hello. All right. You know I do it. All right. <laughs> all right. Peace, everybody out there. All right. All right. Say hey, uh, we folks, we have uh, in studio with us uh, artist and community advocate, the legendary Jeanette. Bradley. Hey, good Walter. Evening. Hey, how oh, are you? Yeah, it's, it's good afternoon. Good good. A, no, good morning still. Is it morning I'm getting, still? I'm, getting, I'm still getting Yeah, we still in the morning. morning. God, oh, yeah, boy. Yeah, you started pretty early. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. We, did. we started up yeah. here, you know, and we stay up here. We stay yeah. up here the whole time, right? We're high energy in this, in this whole thing. Yeah, so, well, good morning, Walter. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes, yes. You were jogging this morning, weren't you? I wasn't jogging. I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. So I went out for a walk. I take my dog out for a walk. Moses. And uh, yeah, Mr. Moses. <laughs> yeah. So Moses is ten years old. So we is he? Uh, not walking quite as fast as we used to, but um, are jogging. Um, so yeah. So he's we went out for. Our, <laughs> yeah, he's he's pretty big. He's a flat coat retriever. Most people don't know what that looks like, but think of a golden retriever, mm-hmm. only all black. Yes. So, um, so yeah, we do that daily walk. I love it. I mm. love it. I love it. And so, um, I, I looked up, let me tell you folks, um, J.M. Bradley's Urban Art. Um, Jeanette, I, I, I call her a legend for a number of reasons. <laughs> I don't know why. Right? Okay. Don't even try that, Jeanette. <laughs> don't even try that. You're being very modest. Uh, 5508 would not be in existence, folks, if you if, if you must know. Uh, 5508 you is make me cry. a collaborative that I remember uh, I, my mother was having a party at her home in Ybor City, at our family home. And you and Mr. James Hammond came to me and you were looking for me that particular day. Mm-hmm. And he said, we got to talk to you. I said, okay. <laughs> I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> and he said, we want you to join this board for that. And I was like, for that? He said, yeah. Okay. Tampa Hillsborough Action Plan, for those people who don't know what that is. And Jeanette um, was the CEO at the time. And they were restructuring, rebuilding, and creating a structure was basically what our our mission was, right? Yeah, yeah. And in the end, what ended up happening was Jeanette ended up presiding over and directing um, 
a collaborative that in Tampa was basically unparalleled, right? And to this day, uh, we still have businesses that are starting out there, um, incubator uh, systems and structures that are in place for small businesses to be yeah. able to get started. Um, and they were created by black people and by black businesses for black businesses. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, that's probably one of the things that, that I've created. You know, I, I love art. I like taking things that people are kind of throwing away and reimagining them. Um, so that's one of the things that in my past that I, I'm pretty proud of. Um, I think I was watching TV one day, MSNBC, if I must say, and they were talking about new spaces. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, why are we not doing that in the middle of East Tampa? Why are we not creating business incubators in the middle of East Tampa? And because Thap had access to this property that we were on, and uh, the idea wasn't new. That's that's the thing. We just right. didn't have the funds and the dollars um, to make it happen. But uh, Chet Looney, um, president prior to, to me, um, pretty much had that idea because there were tenants that were in 55, it wasn't 5508, but SAP at that time that had been there for years mm-hmm. with their businesses, but it looked just like a. Raggedy. Yeah. <laughs> it was ra- I see it. Y'all see it was raggedy. What I wanted that to give raggedy them. Raggedy with an L. Yeah, but I wanted to give them some dignity. So um, we worked that through with the board and created something that I think is pretty special even today yeah. um, over there at 5508. It is. 50th it is. Street. Mm-hmm. It is actually. Um, um, so uh, let, let me just say this, um, before it was, uh, gosh, uh, before you came on, before you came on as, as the CEO, um, we had a, a restructuring that was taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, and who was it that was there at that particular time? Um, um, that we brought in. You, you, who was what? Who, who was the who was the acting? Who was the CEO at that particular time? Uh, prior to my coming on uh-huh. board, um, her name escapes me, but I, I see right. her in my mind. Right, eye. Brenda, Brenda, oh, Brenda Grove. Yes, it Brenda was Brenda Grove. Grove. She was she, acting. At, excellent job. Yes, excellent work. <laughs> um, and and she helped to establish the financial. Um, structuring, and then um, and then when you came on as the next CEO, um, it was the the use of the financial. Yeah, structuring. M- yeah. My my talent was more in the vision, right. setting vision, and then moving toward vision. So different CEOs come, and this is just this true in general. Come with different gifts, mm-hmm. and for the time that I was there, it was taking what Brenda Grove had done. Right. And 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 realizing that into a very useful um, commodity for the East Tampa market. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And now we have uh, Derek Blue, who is the current CEO, mm-hmm. and um, he is driving forward with programs. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we, we we have a lot to be grateful for, but it, it's a testimony to what we're looking at right now. I look up and you're doing so, artwork. Yeah. And some very good artwork. <laughs> some very good artwork, he says. Um, yeah. Um, it's got signatures and stuff. Yeah, on. well, I, I, just, I was looking around Van my house. <laughs> I was looking around my house one day and said, oh, I need some art. And um, decided that I didn't want to pay anybody else for the art and I wanted. <laughs> original art and I didn't have the money to do uh, to get original art so I had to buy my own um, I do have some original art pieces when I was in corporate America but now I needed some and I figured I needed to do my own right. now I do have a background in art 30 um, some years ago at Florida State University I minored in art when I was at HCC I minored in art. So I knew art was something that I could do, but, you know, I had to go into corporate America to make money like everybody else did. And now that I'm on the other side of that, 
um, I decided to bring art back into play for personal reasons. Um, and as people came to the house, um, they loved the art and thought I should show it. And one day I uh, went to the Larry Sanders Library for an art um, reception for another artist. And I just approached the people and said, hey, can I show my art? I'm, not, I'm new, so can I show it? And I got such good reception that I decided that um, this is certainly a side hustle that certainly um, could work for me. And um, the feedback has been phenomenal. Um, I show right now at markets. Um, I'm at the Ebor Market on, on occasion now, but I'm, at, I'm starting at Hyde Park Market. Um, I, I'm at Wiregrass, um, Carrollwood. And I get a lot of recognition through those markets. I was at the home show recently. And um, in a few days, I walked away with like 6K. So the art market um, can be something that's nurtured within our community. Now, my art isn't just art. It actually tells stories. Um, yeah, because I'm looking at one right now. Yeah, well, so, okay. Right, and, and, and this is one with three... Let me give you my interpretation. I'm listening. So there are three black men, is what I see. Okay. Okay. Because it is abstract art. It's abstract art. Yes. Abstract art. And they're in suits. But the suits, they say the suits make the man, right? Mm. Watch this. Watch how Heavy. Deep, watch how deep this is, right? This is. So the <laughs> suits are made of newspaper, right? And newspaper tells a, what, a story, mm -hmm. And that story is about these men and about what they've done and who they are. It tells a story, but it tells not just not just any story, but it tells our story. Oh! You, you, oh. Go, go. You huh? got it. Did I hear it? <laughs> you I got it. it. And, and that's the thing about the art. Um, the art is bought by everybody. So black, white, or indifferent, you know, Hispanic, um, Asians, they all buy the art, the original pieces. Right. So the, the great thing, I, I love it when um, these, I think, retired ballerinas came through the market one day and they saw the four ballerinas, which is a piece um, that's um, inspired by Misty Copeland, the prima ballerina, the first black with the American Dance Ballet Theater. And um, they saw themselves. These are white ballerinas retired that saw themselves and bought prints of it because they, they, they could relate to it, mm. which is key. Mm. All of my art really has black um, images, if you will, in this kind of like silhouettes, but the black images, but you're not supposed to necessarily see black images. You are to see yourself, and that's part of changing the narrative. Wow. So I think I have a role. Yeah, I think I have a role in, in this um, uh, talent or this art that I do to help change the narrative. Mm. Uh, we know what we grew up in terms of what the story was. It's one of the reasons that I use newsprint a lot in a lot of the pieces that I do because the uh, media has been so instrumental in telling the world who we are. Right. And it's a matter of us taking back that narrative and telling our own story. So this piece that you're looking at, um, if I could, um, it says this painting, it's called Roads Less Traveled, opens new roads and opportunities for those traditionally shut out. It challenges long-held beliefs and practices about the qualities and characteristics of what it means to be American with full citizenship, removing generations of roadblocks, thus enabling competition in every sector, alas, realizing the dream of exceptionalism. And, and what you see are three black men with newsprint. And it's you take your story, you take your narrative, and you decide what you're going to be. And we're not relegated just to entertainment and sports to make money and to be rich, but we're, we can do anything. And, right. and that's what I think the future holds for our I young men. I see even more. I see more. As, as I look through, as I look through. And, and that's, again, things, it's abstract. So you see what you right. it, want to experience with each piece. So to go deeper. Let's go deeper. Let's, go deeper. Let's dive deeper, Let's right? Let's dive deeper. And we have a little time left. So I'm, I'm going to dive. All right. So as we were talking about colonization, mm. right? 
one of the things, when we talk about colonization, you can't talk about that without discussing history. As we look at art history, look at humanities, and the concept of religion, and which, can, we can, which can be applied to art, in this particular case, even abstract art. But as we look at the, at the depiction of angels and the depiction of God, mm-hmm. the depiction is of, of white men. Up until a certain point, angels were only depicted as little white babies. <laughs> little cherubs. Right? Little yeah. cherubs, yep, right? Yep, yep. The beautiful little cherubs with the blonde hair, blue eyes with the angels, even on a toilet paper. <laughs> the toilet paper. Mm. The little, remember the little angel? I, re- I remember paper those there? commercials. Yes. The, so the soft toilet paper you wipe your butt with give you a little cherub. Yeah, think, think what that does to us psychologically. Psychologically, right. Yeah. So now you have a situation where you have an artist who's taking the art. And so your cherubs now, you see yourself. And, right? and, and, and it's like, it's like, so the norm used to be white. Now, what you're doing is you're pushing the narrative now and and normalizing I love that black normalizing black, and I think that's um that's really important because again, each of them come with a message um the one that I just gave you is called ancestors within and <coughs> each me, has its own message, so regardless of who buys it, the narrative. It's attached to the picture. You may mm. have your own narrative, but this one talks about the ancestors that we have within us, the messages that they're giving us, um, and our need to pay attention because they are speaking to us. So um, we, and, and you see the newsprint in this one as well, and our responsibility to tell the stories, not be afraid to tell the stories. Mm, I like that. I love it. I love yeah, it. So and I'm showing one. these online to everybody, all of our friends out there on Facebook. You can see the art right here that's being done. Listen. That so we- it's, yeah, it's very simple. Um, the, the, the images are extremely simple. Um, and I don't mean to, somebody asked me, well, why don't you do eyes and noses and, and ears and mouths and whatever else? Because that's not important to the piece. And I've always enjoyed art that doesn't really give a descript because we attach beauty right. in, in ways that are exclusive. Not everybody's included in what the beauty standards are. So I don't get into all of those intricacies that make one thing more beautiful than the other. I do it in a very abstract way so that you can see the beauty in Whatever it is, and and all of the women, their hair is nappy. I'm going to call it nappy, but it's it's clear that the hair is not long and straight, and um, that's that's the that's one of the pieces of the art with the newsprint that I bring to my art to tell the message. Oh so, man, listen, let me tell yeah. you, we don't have we got we got to wrap it up. We got to wrap yeah. it up. But let me tell you, Jeanette, please come back with your new with your uh, with your prints. Um, please. Yeah, so I am working on some new, new prints. Yeah. yeah, talk about your new stuff. I'm always okay? working on pieces, yes. Listen, thank you so much for coming in. Folks, listen, thank you for joining us here on the Sunday Forum. Uh, Jeanette Bradley, everybody, artist extraordinaire, uh, ad- community advocate. Uh, we appreciate you coming in. Brother Life Malcolm, thank you very much. To our new correspondents out there that are coming in, <laughs> bringing it bringing the news, bringing information to us, an intelligent conversation. Members, the newest members of the 4th Estate crew. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Brother Mabili. Welcome back, man. Yeah. Glad you're here, man. Uh, and again, my condolences to the loss of your brother. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that we were able to cheer you up, brother. Oh, you did? Yeah. And that's a stroke of genius, the way you started the art in your home. Right. Turn your home into a museum uh, to get started. I love that. And the house is nice, man. I love it. Beautiful, bro. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, listen. uh, Tell Moses I say what's up. I will. (laughs) Listen, 
Um, thank you for joining us here on the Sunday Forum, everybody. As you can hear in the background, we got that public enemy going on. Yeah, shut uh, him down. Yeah, <laughs> shut him down, baby. Shut him down. Listen, this is the Sunday Forum with your host, Walter L. Smith II, the voice of the Timber Bay Area, and the members of the 4th Estate crew. My man, yeah. Mabili, and the crew came in today, and yep. we are going to see you next weekend on the Sunday Forum here on WMNF 88.5. And as always, for my voice to the radio wave, to the hearts and the minds of the people, we love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it here on the Sunday Forum. Go out and go see The Woman King. Folks, go out and go see it. Go check it out. Go to check out Black on Black Rhyme at the Improv on October 20th. Folks, don't miss it. Oh, the Toxic Bus Tour. Toxic Bus Tour. Check it out. Go online. Go to Facebook and be a part of it. Black Business Bus Tour. I'll be there. Black Business Bus Tour. Next week. Check that out next week as well. Hey, folks, make sure you are checking it out. Uh, go to Facebook. Make some choices. Take part in it. Hey, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. Hey, right here on the Sunday Forum. We're glad to bring it to you. Hey, peace to everybody out there. Peace to everybody out there in Facebook land. We'll see you next week. Host Martin Hootenanny is next. I shut him down. WMNF Tampa. I shut him down.